Okay. A change of view here. Okay. So tonight we're going to be talking about redefining success. And so I wanted to start off by the definition of success. What is the definition of success? Um, also the shape of our lives, shape shifting, finding our purpose and dealing with failure. Um, so when we are asked what we want, like when we're kids, like what we want to do in our life, we would come up with things like, you know, being the president, teachers and whatever, whatever we chose, we wanted to be successful, you know, so here we are surgeons and aren't we successful now, but how many of us feel successful and what does that even mean? Um, so what is success? And it was interesting because I don't know, it's interesting. It seems obvious, right? So of course I went to the source, which you would imagine I went to Google. I said, what is, ask Google, what does success mean? And in Google, it says the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. And the other uh, definition was the attainment of fame, wealth, or social status, a person or thing that achieves the desired aim or attains fame, wealth, or et cetera. And it's interesting when you look at this definition, the accomplishment of aim or purpose, it doesn't exactly say who determines what that purpose is or what that aim is. Um, and that part is pretty interesting. Now, as surgeons, we had the benefit of a linear path, right? So we started off as getting them out of school. You get in, you're successful. We achieved our aim. You get into a residency of your choosing. You achieve uh, success because that's an aim that you uh, aim for. Become an attending, sure. Um, so the ACGME and all determined um, the aims of being a surgeon. Uh, and so, you know, after that, now there's a certain number of cases we have to do a year, CMEs, pass a test, things like that. So we're all surgeons here. We're all, it's fair to say that we're all successful, but how many of you still don't feel that way? Um, and again, our training makes it easy for us, but it sets us up for problems. And what do I mean by that? You know, we're led to believe that our lives are always supposed to ascend in this linear fashion. Um, but, and then we have these landmarks that we're supposed to hit along the way, way. but then we find that life does not always progress linearly. It actually kind of oscillates. Um, and learning to accept these ups and downs is a first lesson for us to learn. Um, this expectation that life is going to proceed in an orderly, predictable manner can be a source of dissatisfaction. We realize it just doesn't work that way. Um, so I read this good book called uh, Life is in the Transitions by Bruce uh, Failer, I think is how you pronounce it. He um, put together in, um, information from hundreds of interviews with people. He called it the Life Story Project. Uh, the result of this project was to determine how people uh, navigated setbacks in life. Um, we all have setbacks in life. And his idea was the solution to a setback is a story. So he built this whole idea that reimagining, reconstructing our personal stories are vital to, to living a fulfilling life. And it kind of goes back to that definition of success is determining, us determining what our aim and our purpose is. Um, but what causes our life to vacillate? You know, why doesn't it progress in a linear manner? Um, typically a life disruptor comes along and he defines this as some evident or some event that changes how our life is going to go at the time. It knocks us off our linear path. Um, and in his interviews, he identified five categories of life disruptors, love, identity, beliefs, work, and the body. And so if we talk about each individual, one of those love is something like getting married, having a new child, divorce, death of a loved one, domestic violence, aging parents. These will clearly knock you off a linear path. Identity is moving to a different country, gender identity, homelessness, victim of a crime, imprisonment, major changes in finances. 
and beliefs, things like um, changing our uh, belief in with school or religion, a personal calling, um, changes in titles and responsibility, sexual harassment, discrimination, um, retirement, public recognition, the changes in work, um, and bodies like illness, medical or, or mental addiction, weight issues, accident injury. So those are the love, identity, beliefs, work, body. Um, how many life disruptors will we encounter? In his research, he determined 30 to 40. That means an average of every 12 to 18 months, we are dealing with some sort of life disruption. They're not always evenly distributed. Uh, sometimes a few of the life disruptors come along all at once, and this turns into what he called a life quake. Um, this can lead to a fundamental shift in the meaning, purpose, or direction of our life. So he noted the average person has between three to five life quakes in a lifetime. He described a life quake as a forceful burst of change that leads to a period of upheaval, transition, and renewal. So you can imagine, like, you know, an obvious one that we could think of that we all encounter is finishing residency, moving, maybe marrying at the same time, finding a new job. All these things are you know, pretty significant life quakes. So what is the benefit of knowing all of this? If we're no longer living with the expectation that life is progressing linearly, then we can free ourselves of expectations. We can decide how we want to live based on our responses to these numerous, normal, and expected life disruptions. We can decide to forge our own unique path. We determine our aim and purpose. We determine if we're successful or not. It sounds pretty freeing, doesn't it? Uh, of course, it sounds a little intimidating, too, because that means that you are now responsible for determining your aim and purpose in life. So I've essentially just given you permission to determine the life that you want based on how you want to live it and based on your own game um, of determining these life disruptors that you have in life. So there's infinite possibilities. You have an option of choosing your unique story. You are the writer. So then how do you write your own story? So he actually gave us some clues based on his research, again, of different stories. He helped us up by identifying three key ingredients of a well-balanced life. So he called it the ABCs of meaning, and A is for agency. This is determining our own autonomy, freedom, creativity, mastery, uh, the belief that you can impact the world around you. That's A for agency. B is for belonging. That's in relationships, community, friends, family, the people that surround and nurture you is your inner circle. And C is for cause. That's like a calling, a mission, a direction, or a purpose, something beyond yourself. And so he assigned a picture to these elements. I thought that was pretty helpful. Agency is a line, more of like a linear progression. You know, we go from one thing, we have, we have autonomy, we're determining our path here. Belonging is in a circle, more inclusive, you know, determining your family, uh, finding where you belong and cause is star-shaped or reaching beyond the borders. So finding a greater cause more than just yourself and more than your inner circle. And he noted that we tend to prioritize one element um, of these over the others. Our stories may have one element predominant over the others, but they can also change. The meaning of our life is not static or stable. With so many disruptors and the potential for a few life quakes in there, shape-shifting happens. And so when we have this ability, the free will and the power to change the meaning of our lives, so we don't always have to stay on a linear path. We don't always have to stay in our inner circle. We don't always have to, you know, only serve a cause. Um, we shapeshift when we find ourselves out of balance. A time common to most of us is when we leave the agency, that linear life, this linear life of surgery. And 
we decide what shape our life is going to look like beyond that. So let's go back to the time when we've completed the linear part of our journey. Now what? How to navigate these changes? So once we reach that aim of a surgeon, we are successful. We achieve that aim or goal. Now what? We have to start defining the next aim or purpose. So redefining success means redefining our purpose, writing our own story. And there are traps that push us into writer's block. So as we grow, our dreams evolve. What's, what are some of the traps that we found um, in finding our purpose? The biggest trap is who or what defines success for us. Mm -hmm. So what if we are defined by the past? So what if we look to the past and say, we're defined by what we've done in the past? And this is oftentimes our previous progress or someone else's progress. And we look at where we're at now. If you're in this mid-career crisis, now you have too many paths. Which, you know, which one do you choose? And if you don't choose, and this is very typical of saying, I want to do research and I want to do only clinical and I want to do um, all the procedures and you know, all these things. If you want to try all these paths and the problems is if you don't pick a path, you don't actually progress on any of those paths. Um, so we don't give a single path our best efforts. Um, and if we're defined by someone else's expectations, um, and I see this a lot too, where, well, I have to accept this job. I have to work all the time because I'm taking responsibility for all women. If I go part-time, they're going to say, oh, there's just another woman going part-time, you know, so taking on the responsibility of all women and, um, or choosing something because that's all we know. If you, uh, and most of us have gone through an academic institution for a residency, you assume that, well, I must do research. I have to teach residents. That's, you know, I have to put journal articles, even though I can't stand research, you know? Um, so we do that this because that's what we have seen to be successful. So we're following someone else's path and defined by someone else's expectations. And then, you know, we try to follow our mentor's path um, and, or, and then not just one mentor, like several. And so we can't follow them all. And then we feel guilty for not doing it all. Um, and at some point, you know, you do have to decide, I'm going to go on this path means that you abandon another one that could be difficult. The other part is, is you just get in the weeds of the everyday life. Uh, we get lost in administration and regulations. Um, we may be influenced by others. You know, we are not looking at our aim and purpose because we're too busy in our own inner daily turmoil. We may feel put down by others. If we're trying to um, impress other people or we're in an environment where uh, people are putting you down. Uh, that can be difficult in finding your own path or purpose because you just can't even get up to look. Um, and all these things that cause us to be a little inhibited lead us to living small. We don't feel like we do this. You know, we can't imagine it, so therefore we can't create it. Um, we can't think that we can even do this because we haven't quite imagined that there's a path that we could choose. Um, who would have thought like when I was a resident, you know, 11 years ago that I would finish residency and I would become an employed surgeon, decide I'm going to go pra private practice of, you know, my own choice. And, um, and then I would become a surgeon coach. I didn't even know that existed before. I didn't know it existed two years ago. Um, and so things like that. Um, so giving us a little bit of grace, to find our own path is helpful. Us allowing us the room and the grace and the self-confidence to know that we will find our own path if we trust what our thoughts are. 
And, and that is the problem uh, because a lot of times we're not using our own intuition and our own thoughts and our own desires because we're trying to live up to other people's expectations. We're leaving in other people's hands to determine our success. And if you put it in someone else's hands, you've lost all of your power. You're chasing their approval and you might get it, but you might not. But really, you know, is chasing someone else's approval for their purpose in your life going to be fulfilling? And that may be why you're finding yourself hollow, even if you're achieving some level of success, is that, you know, deep down, you know, this is not exactly what you wanted. There's something else. Is that whisper in your ear saying there's something else, there's something more. And so how do you figure out what to do to be successful? And here's a couple of questions you can ask yourself to try to decide, you know, what is my purpose? Where are my passions? And first is to say, you know, what am I good at? Uh, you may have some insight. And this is where looking at your past successes may help somewhat. You know, where were you successful? Um, are there common factors that you can identify and cultivate? Try asking others. You know, I've been told that I can compile information together and deliver it in people, uh, deliver to people where they can easily understand that. And I did not always know that about me until someone actually pointed it out. And so this is where feedback can be helpful. And it's sometimes hard to ask for feedback because sometimes we're afraid of what they're going to uh, say. Um, but then also just say, like, where do you find your interest? You know, do you like um, solving problems? Do you like talking to people? Um, you know, do you enjoy the OR? Do you enjoy research? You know, all these things is just trying to find out what you're, what you're good at for sure. Um, and then also, again, that kind of leads into what you're interested in is kind of where I was getting at. You know, what gets you really fired up? Um, if I were to say, hey, how about how about this, you know, journal article and stuff like, well, I want to be that and I want to do that. And I love research. I love to hear problems or, you know, and listen to if you're saying to yourself, oh my gosh, ooh, I remember having to do that. And I did that just because I, I could get into a fellowship or whatever. Um, if you think like, um, you know, have you reached out to others? Have you talked to this? How about teaching? Do you like to teach? You know, the, when you think about things that really get you fired up, those are the things that you should focus on. And then really focus on things you don't like to do. I mean, if you really, if you hate sitting in meetings, you don't like telling other people what to do, you know, and you don't really like get really excited about emails and um, processes of planning, then administration is not for you. And that's okay. You know, we can be, um, we have the luxury as surgeons to be excellent clinicians and have a fantastic career, be well-respected, and that's good enough. Um, you know, you can also go up as high as you want, so CMO, CEO, um, you know, you can do basically anything that you want, but find out what you're interested in, what you're good at. And then here's a great exercise um, to determine what you really want to do, because there's a lot of self-doubt that holds us back. I won't make enough money. There'll be too much doubt. What if I don't fail? I'm not sure I'm qualified. You know, what if you ask yourself, what would I do if I knew that I couldn't fail, that I was absolutely guaranteed, there's absolutely no risk that if I decided I wanted to do this particular job, that I knew that I would be successful, I would have you know financial freedom, all these things. What is it that I would want to do? And then assume that you're guaranteed the reward of what you chose, and then what would it be? Um, and you don't actually have to know this yet. You just have to know, you don't, you don't have to know how to get it. You just have to know the why. I want to do this because, you know, I wanted to be a surgeon coach. Not that I thought that I'd be successful with that. I'm not even exactly sure where it's going to take us, but I just have discovered that, you know, learning these principles of mind work and 
helping other people find these inner thoughts that are driving us is just this ever loving fire and, and passion in myself. And I'm just going to follow it. You know, I, that's my why. I'm not sure how to go or exactly where it's going to go, but it, it gets me very excited and I really like it and try to be good at it. Um, and that's how I kind of ended up on this path. I never would have dreamed it before, but I kind of followed my intuition and that whisper in the back of my mind that I should do it. And so, and the difference in those questions that you ask yourself is that you start to determine where your interests lie, what you want to do, what your success is. Because when you decide, I'm going to look and see what I'm interested in, what I'm good at, and what I knew I could do if I couldn't fail, then I know that I'm going to pursue this with everything that I have. And that is going to lead me to success because I'm going to approach that, that thought of, I'm going to do this because I want to do it. This is my aim. This is my purpose. If you go that with that thought in mind, how could you possibly fail? Because that emotion is very empowering. It's very exciting. Um, that's going to lead us to actions that are going to get us somewhere is cultivating that thought of this is what I was meant to do. Um, and so in that way, it can actually be very simple. We tend to make it very complicated. Oh, but they'll think this or thinking that, but what about this? But really we're going to be successful in what drives us. Um, and it's important to know too, our purpose in life is to live the life that we're given, live this human experience. You know, once we sort of let go of all these expectations, what other people say and think, then we realize that we're already right now enough and complete as we are. We are living in the moment. We are here and we have everything we possibly need. You know, we could tell ourselves all these stories about the past, um, but those are just stories we tell ourselves. And in fact, we change the story of our past all the time. I was reading somewhere recently where the more times we visit the past, the more we change it over time. Who actually even knows what happened in the past? Our narrative changes over time. Here in the present is where we have all of our power. This is what we determined, you know, the lessons that we learned from the past. This is how we plan for the future. We're not in the future yet either. We're telling ourselves lots of stories about the future as well. Um, and really, so there's the power of living in the moment, knowing that we're, you know, whole and complete and enough right now, and that we have endless possibilities to determine what we want to do. We are not our past. We are not our future. We actually can determine our future by planning right now um, what our aim and purpose is. We have the power right now to determine what that aim and purpose is, and then set about our actions um, that allow us to achieve it, getting the end result. So basically we're determined by free will. We're driven by our thoughts. So what's holding us back? Um, and I posted this on the Facebook group um, and I really like this list of traps from the purpose-driven life. Um, these are the traps that are keeping us from living our purpose. These are the things that keep us from living a full and human experience. And being aware of these thoughts and emotions um, that are holding us back help us realize when we're falling into these traps and see if some of these sound familiar to you. So there's guilt. If we're running from regrets and hiding from shame, we're the products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners from it. So in a, for instance, for a surgeon, having a complication, getting, not getting the promotion or the position or the grant that we were wanting. And then, you know, what happens when we feel this guilt that about a complication or about not getting a job that we really wanted or thought that we should have, or, or um, when we're feeling this guilt, we decide to play small. Well, there must be something wrong with me. So I'm just not going to, 
I'm not going to put myself out there because, you know, I'm, I'm going to make sure to hold myself back because I don't deserve to go past that. Um, there can be resentment and anger. So instead of releasing your pain through forgiveness, say you had a terrible job, your colleagues treated you terribly, you had a terrible residency, um, and you know, you're playing this tape over and over again. I remember when they did this and they do that. And, you know, you're holding on to this pain and resentment and it's like poisoning yourself and hoping the other person dies. Um, and I've mentioned this before, but like they can hold this little crap, you know, this box of crap and they try to give it to you. You actually don't have to take this, but oftentimes we do take it. Um, and so these are the things that, that hurt us, the, you know, looking at the things that hurt us in the past, um, they could only hurt us now by thinking about it, um, that these things happen in the past. We are choosing whether we decide to keep it hurting us or not. Um, and so understanding how it shows up in your life may give you the motivation to find ways to put the resentment and anger in the past where it belongs. Like if you find that that person who gave you that, you know, the um, experience that caused you to feel anger or resentment, you're holding on to this. They don't know that you're still holding on to this. They've moved on, but we're holding this anger and resentment. You can let it go. They're not going to know the difference anyway. Um, holding on to it longer is not going to punish them. It's only punishing you. Another aspect that holds us back is fear. Um, this is fear of the unknown. It's one of those self-sabotage triggers that I've talked about. You're missing opportunities because you're afraid to venture out. The brain loves for you to hide under the bed. That's where most of our protests come in. They, our uh, primitive brain is very well-meaning. It, it wants us to hide. It wants us to not put ourselves out there um, because then we're safe. And even if it keeps us in these traps of habits and other things that we really want to stop, why do we keep going back to it? Because our primitive brain says, well, it may not be the best path, but we didn't get any trouble. We're still alive, so it can't be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's where um, fear comes in is that our brain keeps us safe. That's fear of the unknown, fear of failure. And interestingly enough, fear of success. We don't know if we're successful, that's going to cause all kinds of new problems. You know, and like if I'm successful in a coach, I've got to come up. What about lawyers? What about business? What about more costs? What about hiring people? These are all very scary things. Um, and then there's this excessive need for control. We don't quite see the ending. So we hold ourselves back. Um, and that's another set of fear is, you know, putting yourself out there where you may not control what's going on. Um, interesting one is materialism. Uh, it's the desire to acquire money or titles, like picking a job because of, well, I've got student loans to pay. I've got to, I've got to pay for all this, or, well, this is what, you know, I'm prominent surgeon. I want this job that makes lots of money so I can buy all these things. Um, and if you choose a job for money and not for the worth that it offers you, are you trying to get satisfaction from decreasing your loans or adding to your bank account? And this is, this is where scarcity comes in and nothing will ever be enough. You're always going to be chasing that thing because you're never going to feel like you're enough. Um, and so that's the trouble of materialism and approval. This is a tough one. We want approval, don't we? You know, we seek approval from our parents, from our peers, from our patients, from disappointing men. We don't want to disappoint mentors. Um, and so this uh, we're seeking approval everywhere. And, and once you release the idea that I'm just going to do the best I can. And, you know, we just had a, a post on the Facebook group about searching for approval from um, even on physician groups where someone says, you know, ask for 
uh, advice on something. And we, as the experts say, here, let me give you my advice. And then someone comes up and says, well, that's not what, whatever. And, you know, and we feel the need to respond to that. And then we keep responding to it, you know, um, and it's, it's interesting because we just sort of trying to seek for approval from people that we don't even want approval from. We may not even talk to them in real life, but we still want them to approve of us because deep down, we don't feel like we are enough. Um, and that could be a trap that can lead to these indulgent emotions. And what do I mean by indulgent emotions? These are things like overwhelm, indecision, insecurity, stunned, fear, confusion. And if you think about the thought model, where do these indulgent emotions lead us? Nowhere. Does overwhelm ever lead us to something positive? Not really. Indecision. I mean, it may make us pass something that would have been bad. <laughs> it's not necessarily a strategy I would endorse. Um, you know, insecurity. Where does insecurity get us? It keeps us living small. If we're stunned or fear and confusion, you know, these are just all emotions that our primitive brain tells us to hide under the bed so we don't take any chances because, well, we're not, you know, we're not thriving. We're not dead. So that's good. Anyway, so um, these emotions. Um, are the main reason why we buffer. You know, we don't know what to do with these emotions. They don't lead us anywhere. And we don't really want to feel them. They're a little uncomfortable. So we find to do something, you know, else. So we eat, we drink, we watch Netflix. So we don't have to feel them. So instead of following our instincts, we buffer with these false pleasures. We want to feel pleasure. We're not sure how to get them because these emotions are leading us nowhere. So then we seek these false pleasures because we're not thinking that we're good enough as we are. And so what's the solution to that is recognizing we actually don't have to do anything different. You know, we don't have to search anyone's approval. We don't have to live in fear. We can believe right now that we're good enough as we are and growing and evolving can actually be fun and interesting. So if we're not seeking anything, we can just seek our own approval. I want to do something that's fun and interesting and exciting. And I want to cultivate this. Um, emotion of curiosity and excitement that our life and experience are just lined up for us. Even the bad things, the bad things happen to show us that life is the 50, 50 and that ties into this month of life is 50, 50, not all the, not all the time is going to be great. I have a, a friend, you know, very well, I respect her tremendously. She's very smart in high school. She went to medical school, finished residency, got this job, had a terrible time. And ever since then, she's had a difficult time vegan doctor. And she actually is like, I just want to work at Starbucks now. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with Starbucks, but really, you know, the, even if you go there, that can't be great all the time. It's going to be easier. The hours are less, you know, there's good benefits, but still you're going to have bad day. You're going to have bad customers. You're going to have bad managers. So even if we escape this life, that these big jobs that have big problems, we're not going to find a perfect job where everything is great and wonderful all the time. Um, it's only great and wonderful all the time if you start embracing this idea that these things happen first so we can enjoy the good times. So we can, it's the contrast that makes life interesting. But also, if you're putting yourself out there, some of these things are going to be, well, that's a mistake. You know, I made a mistake, but now I've learned, a, you know, a different way to do things. You know, I, I didn't exactly fail. I just, well, I, I actually did fail because failure is not achieving an aim or purpose. So we fail all the time, but it doesn't have to be bad. It's normalizing the failure. If I don't achieve an aim or purpose, that's not a failure. It's just, maybe that was not the right aim or purpose. Maybe I should rethink this. Um, and if I'm putting myself out there and I'm trying, I'm bound to 
miss. If I put my aim on my purpose extremely high, then I'm probably not going to reach it all the way, or maybe it'll look a little bit different. And is that really, a, you know, that failure, is that really bad? If I end up following a path um, that was a pivot from something else, is that a failure? So um, normalizing failure is one way to allow us to succeed. Because if we're dreaming big, it's inevitably going to cause some failure along the way. Now, let's go back again to this idea that we're whole and worthy right now. And it's interesting because if we're whole and worthy right now, and we determine our aim and our purpose, we know exactly what this aim and the purpose is because it is based on our passion. We could become the next Debakey, or we can decide to bag it all together and be a stay-at-home mother. If we determine that this is our purpose and that's a success because we determine that we're whole and worthy right now, this is our aim and our purpose based on what is our deepest desire, we're a success. Our purpose is filled. We don't have to do anything more to be a worthy human being. We are living our purpose, the human existence. Who came up with these aims and purposes? We can. We choose our careers and our partners and things we do every day. And what's the most, what is most important is to understand that our thoughts about what we do in our life will change how we experience our life. So let me say that again, the thoughts about what we do in our life will change how we experience it. Let me give you this scenario and I'll, and I'll um, illustrate this. Um, so let's flesh out a model. Our circumstance, a case is coming up and our thought is I must do this case to feel worthy. I mean, I have to have this as a success. Otherwise, I mean, this was, that's what surgeons do. It has to be successful. And you approach it with that emotion of inadequacy you know, like I must do this to feel worthy. So you're, you're starting off not feeling worthy. You're looking to this case to provide your worth. So the action is you do the case and with the goal of proving your worth and the result is the case gets done, but you spend a lot of extra time stressing about it. You might feel adequate if the case goes well, but you never feel completely adequate because you have to try each time. So next time, you know, you don't feel adequate. The case maybe helps you feel a little adequate, but you're still inadequate. So I'm gonna have to go to the next case and then the next case and then the next case um, to see, because I'm seeking these cases to provide my adequacy. Um, you're waiting for this external event to determine your worth. And so you're always at the mercy of how the case goes. And statistically, you're gonna have a complication. So your self-worth is a sitting duck. So let's try, Another scenario, how, how could you approach this potentially differently? So the circumstances, you have a case coming up. Your thought is, I am already worthy. I love using my skills to help others. I'm a skilled surgeon. And this emotion could be excitement, love for what you do. And your action is that you work hard from abundance and love, not inadequacy. Um, and when we're abundant, we're open to suggestions. We can hear feedback that could help us get better. Um, if the nurse or the assist or someone says, well, what about this? You know, we're so caught up in something. We're open to hear these things. So we don't consider this um, a threat to us or inadequate. Um, we don't have to worry about it damaging our self-worth. We are there as a surgeon, head of the team, things happen using other people's experience because it only elevate us. And so regardless of the outcome, we know that we can help, we want to help, and we learn and evolve. So we're not like an island amongst ourselves, we're part of a team. Um, and then you're actually less likely to hide and withdraw. 
um, you'll get more suggestions. You become a better surgeon for that. And so note that the feeling of worthy right now does not mean we give up and don't try. And I think that's one trap of people who, who hear us say like worthy right now, but, but I mean, does that mean you just going to stop? <laughs> and it's interesting, uh, you know, cause I would think I would have thought that at first. Um, but what it is, is just knowing that I'm good. I'm fine right now. And it's not going to take away my drive for success. It may actually improve my success because I'm more willing to come to work. I'm more willing to be interested. I'm not the whim of others. I am in control of my experience and my drive and things like that. Um, this clarity does not save you from feeling bad some days either, though. I mean, having a complication or having a patient administration or a colleague, random person tell you that you suck, it still sucks. It's still going to make you question something. Um, nothing can be perfect. You know, one or all of these things are going to happen. You know, we're going to have a complication or we're going to have a bad patient review. Administration is going to get onto us about something. A colleague is going to have some sort of smart remark. You know, everyone has their own models, but we have to let go of the fact that we have any control over this. You know, if we are looking to everyone else to determine our worth, then we can at the mercy of them. But when you decide that you determine your worth and we're worthy right now, the rest is just a bonus of our choosing. And it changes how we experience our lives. If we go in and a colleague puts us down, that's cool, whatever. You know, you may fume better for a little bit, but if you realize, ah, well, who knows, maybe they're having a bad day. You know, maybe they're right. Maybe you need to look at it a little bit. You know, maybe they have a point. I don't have to make it mean anything terrible about it. Maybe I'll just give them... Um, you know, give the thought enough credit to think about it and then choose for myself if I want to discard it or if I want to change something I do based on feedback, because that's just what these things are. They're feedback. It's not truth or false. Um, you know, we determine if it is true or false. Um, and so being open to hear anything external and know that you can process yourself and decide for yourself how you want to experience that in your life, that is true power. And here's an interesting thing, you know, we see this all the time, like if, if you're not sure if anything along your path is right for you, even surgery, what do you do? If you're sitting here at a crossroads, you're like, well, I like this and I like that. And I don't really like this anymore. You know, I, I'm a surgeon, but I really wanna be a surgeon anymore. Um, or I was in an academic career and I don't think I wanna do this anymore. What do you do? Well, you just choose, you know, if you decide being a surgeon is a perfect choice for you, then you're going to approach every day with the decision that I chose this. It's fun and exciting. I mean, half the time, it's not going to be great. That's the whole idea of 50, 50. It's important of knowing that even if I have a bad day, it doesn't mean I'm wrong. This is to be expected. Um, and it's important to know that it doesn't mean we've chosen the wrong path. Having a bad day doesn't mean we chose the wrong path. It's just, if it repeatedly comes up and then we say, well, I just, I feel bad a majority of the time. There's something in, in the deep, in the back recesses of my mind saying something is not right. Then you would re readdress all those things of why am I choosing this? Is it out of fear or guilt? Am I trying to impress someone? You know, is this a fire, a passion that I have? And if it's not, then you're on the wrong path. And that's where um, getting back to that life in transitions, you can shape shift. You know, if agency is where you're going, he's like, I really want to kind of step back and think more about my family. You turn more into um, the uh, the linear path to more of a circle of a belonging. 
if you, my family's successful, my kids have moved on, I've achieved what I want in my career, now I want to serve a greater purpose. You shapeshift into that. And so we're allowed to have these life transitions, we're allowed to change. And so um, the most important thing is, it's not our job's job to make us happy. You know, we can't blame surgery if we're not happy. We can't blame the hospital if we're not happy. You know, we choose the emotions that we have. Um, and no decision is set in stone. If you've done the work and surgery is not for you or the job you're currently in is not for you, then take a break. You can come back. And how does it feel to know that you have a choice? You're not stuck anywhere. We'll have a contract. We'll break the contract. It'll cost you money. Who cares? You know, like, well, I don't want to be a surgeon now. Maybe I want to take a break. Maybe I want to work at Starbucks. I think you get Starbucks. I love Starbucks. <laughs> but, and then you go work there. You're like, no, I, I just needed a break. And this is my passion. And now I, I see it a little more clearly. I gave myself some space to see it more clearly. You know, things like that. Um, and if you go in all in with surgery and you do the work, uh, again, if you're not happy, it's okay to change your mind. Isn't that better than living with a choice? that's keeping you from doing what you most genuinely want, you can make that choice. You can decide not to do this. You can decide to do something else. And that's okay, life is short. The only person who's looking at your life is you. If you're not sure what you wanna do with your human experience, explore your interest. You could keep your job and spend a little more time exploring your interest. You don't have to bag everything and leave. Um, explore your interest. We're just not very good at that. You know, the one thing that's so funny, I, I coach my, I've been coached myself and I coach other people on our inability <laughs> to deal with free time. <laughs> when have we stopped and just enjoyed our free time? Anyway, um, you know, the, the exploring our interest a lot and not working, not hustling like we always have um, in residency is keeping us sometimes from exploring our interest. It's the guilt and the hustling and the purpose and things like that. Um, but if you know that you're complete and whole right now, you let yourself explore these interests. You can start deciding what's worth it for you. You can decide that no wrong, there's no wrong answer because you can always change. And if you feel worthy right now, you don't feel trapped. And trapped is what makes us, you know, just think of like a trapped animal. How do they behave? You know, they withdraw, they play dead, they lash out. You know, being trapped is a terrible way to go. And so um, I'm going to share this again, some personal experience. I know I've shared some of these before, um, but my purpose in life and work, you know, in the army, I didn't have a lot of control over my career. You know, their definition of success was not what I felt was a definition of success. You know, there's raising the ranks, which for me was like taking you further and further away from surgery. So I would not have been successful in the army. I chose to leave because this was not you know, I saw the trajectory where this is going and it was just not right for me. Um, and then as an employed surgeon, I didn't have much control over clinic. Um, I wanted it to work a certain way and um, I, I could have just kind of gone along, but there was something like that, that was the whisper in the back of my head saying, this is a good job, but don't you want a great job? And that's when I realized, no, I, I can actually start determining this too. I, I took control over that part and said, I'm going to follow my interest. I'm going to take a chance. Um, and it was worth it. And what, you know, what happens if I fail? If I, if I choose this aim of success or the aim of, or goal of becoming a private practice physician, determining all the people that I work with, what happens if I fail? I'm not going to starve. I can do any job. Um, and knowing that I had 
the ability to give myself the grace to fail, you know, not achieve that failure purpose or not achieve that aim or purpose. That failure was like, not like the be all end all thing. That was actually very easy to let it go then. Um, and so this overriding thought is I want to have the career I always wanted. Um, and that was important to me. You know, I wanted to be happy. Um, and I wanted to, I had the vision of what I wanted and then I went after it. Um, that was exciting. There, there was lots of hard times along the way. It was very challenging because I was kind of going a little bit against the grain against, uh, it was a little bit unproven to me because I hadn't done it. And probably the most um, impactful thing that someone said to me along the way um, as a friend of mine, and I was sitting next to her and I was like, I don't know what I've done. What have I done? <laughs> All of this is just out of control. And she said, well, you know, you did this for a reason, right? And it was interesting because she in that moment, aligned me back to my why, you know, I, at the time I was sort of stuck in the swirl of not understanding the how, how am I going to do this? How am I do this? And she's, and she directed me on that path, but you had a why, what was your why? And my why was, I want a great job. I know what this job is going to be. And, and then it became very clear. The how actually just fell into place. It was the why that I kind of missed for a little while. And lately, um, I push myself because I'm kind of fascinated to see what I'm capable of doing. Um, and that's the that's the downfall sometimes of knowing that you're worthy and approaching everything with fun and excitement is that now you're like, well, shoot, I didn't know I could do this. I wonder what else I could do. And then it becomes fun and exciting. You know, I, I know that if I set an aim or purpose and I don't make it, I in, in other words, not successful, and some definition of failure. That's okay. I'm just gonna get up and move on. Isn't this fun? Um, and so that part's pretty exciting. Um, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, and that's how this idea of common thread and, and coaching came about is, you know, using my previous and ongoing experiences, I wanna help other surgeons, you know, to love and support and learn from you all. Cause I mean, goodness knows, I mean, the, this, this whole idea is like, you know, we get you guys because we are you, you know, I, I am you, all these people that I coach, I've been through all of this and I understand and, and helping um, other people see their blind spots actually helps me find my blind spots as well. Uh, and so, you know, approaching all of our challenges with love and curiosity, with the goal of setting us free from these self-imposing prisons for our own thought errors. I mean, isn't that just amazing? Um, and so that's just the energy we bring to us. That's what makes us all exciting. Um, and that's where my, you know, ABC of meanings turn from this line of agency to more of like a star of a cause. I mean, this is like, this is bigger than just me and it's bigger than just my job It's bigger than, you know, Kelly and Jess, this is all of us coming together, pulling together. Um, and so that purpose fills me with excitement, you know, it makes me want to get up and get going. You know, I, I took the day off, but I actually ended up doing oh, I don't know, like four coaching calls because <laughs> it's fun. Why not? Um, and you know, going out and doing something big, you know, it kind of scares you a little bit because, you know, I can make mistakes. I can offend, I can offend others. I could hurt others and make myself look bad. You know, I could, it's very isolating too. I mean, if we're rich, if we are reaching the tip of the spear, we might be alone. You know, we may not have examples. Um, and so when you look around, you're like, well, I don't know, am I supposed to be doing this? There's nobody else around. And I'm starting to discover like when you are the tip of the spear, that's normal. There aren't going to be any other people around. Nothing's gone wrong. Um, and then what if I have a bad day? Well, it's 50, 50, right? Doesn't necessarily mean something's wrong. Um, but wouldn't it be so much better 
to feel terrible doing your highest purpose than feeling terrible and knowing that you could have done more. You know, this is the, the downfall of living small. You guarantee disappointment. You know, if you achieve your highest goals and aims, what's the worst that could happen? You get disappointed. But isn't it better to be disappointed trying? <laughs> and if you have enough self-compassion for yourself, whatever, pick up, do it again. So I'll just kind of leave you with some ideas of, you know, asking yourself some questions that may help. So let's start asking these questions of, I want to what? What is your greatest desire? To love, to be best, to be leader in your field, you know, and burn out, support others, you know, create something. I want to what? What is it you want to do? Um, the other thing is, what am I good at? What are my strengths? You know, is it communication? Is it research? Is it support of others? And what would I do if no one was looking? If you eliminated the opinions of others, what would you do? I mean, not your spouse, your colleagues, your parents. What would you do if you could do it and just choose no one had to see? And what would you do just for you if you didn't worry about feeling guilty or greedy? What would you do just for you? Um, what if you just gave yourself your greatest desire, whatever that would be? And what is your deepest joy and makes you feel free? Something that, that could take you where you ever wanted to go. Um, like I'm an educator, I'm a coach, support others. I'm an artist, I, I write books, all these things. What's your deepest joy and makes you feel free? Um, and who do I need to be to fulfill this purpose? And this is interesting. It's like, once you realize, ah, yes, I, I know the why. I see what I want to do and I'll figure out the how. Um, and who do I need to be to fulfill this purpose? You know, what are the emotions that you need to embody? Typically it's courage, risk-taking, compassion, self-compassion, you know, collaborating, educating. And so when we know what we want, we speak it out loud. There's this quote that says, when we speak what we want out loud, the universe conspires to help us achieve it. Um, so what do we do next? We define our purpose. What happens if we fail? Pick up and move on. So redefining success, in summary, is accepting that failure is part of it. That you have to fail if you want to succeed your greatest, your greatest achievements. You're going to have failure along the way, and that's okay, because you can handle failure. We normalize failure. We allow ourselves to be safe. We put our own safety net. Failure is not the end. And success, redefining success, is understanding that success is an aim or purpose. We define that success or aim or purpose. So the redefining is really up to you. What you want to do, that's the hard part. You just have to decide what that is. Anyway, thanks for joining me on talking about redefining success. <laughs>